1993, a new platformer was released on the Sega Genesis. No, not Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Sonic 2 was in 1992. At this time, everyone was rushing to the movie theater to see the new animation blockbuster, Disney's Aladdin. Aladdin, of course, would also get a video game tie-in as well. However, as most tie-in movie games are kind of between mediocre and bad, Aladdin was definitely the rare exception of the rule. It's a pretty good platformer adventure game with great controls, music from the movie, and an overall pretty good experience. So I bet you're probably asking, why the hell am I talking about Disney's Aladdin in an audio essay about Donkey Kong Country? Well, Aladdin on the Sega Genesis was the first video game to use hand-drawn animation that would later be digitized into the game. This resulted in a cool, smooth, clean look that moves just like a Disney cartoon. The game has great graphics and great sprite work to mimic the cartoon Disney style at this time. It was quite the eye-opener to see a video game based on an animation to have characters be just as expressive and stand out as its animated source. Aladdin became a bestseller on the Genesis. Being a movie tie-on one of the greatest Disney movies ever made likely was a factor in the game's sales. There was also a Super Nintendo version of Aladdin by Capcom which is pretty good in its own right. However, on the other side of the tracks in the video game console war of the 90s, Nintendo was quite impressed with the animation style of Aladdin on the Genesis. However, there was also some concern, as Sega was on the verge of a new way to do sprite work and animation in video games. This could have been the thing that pushed Sega over the top and beat out Nintendo outright. They needed to think of something and something fast. During this time, a British gaming studio known as Rare purchased silicone graphic workstations. This allowed the company to render 3D models. Nintendo was very impressed with this technology. In fact, they were so impressed that Nintendo would actually buy a minority share in Rare. Rare was given a major task. Use the new rendering computer animation style to make a video game reimagined of one of Nintendo's biggest icons, Donkey Kong. We all know the original arcade classic Donkey Kong, but Nintendo wanted to reimagine it into a new image for a modern day look. Something all the 90s cool kids can get behind. Rare would take these 3D models and convert them into Super Nintendo sprites, without losing much quality. After a year and a half of development, Rare was ready to show off their work. The first ever pre-rendered graphic video game, Donkey Kong Country. In June of 1994, Donkey Kong's new adventure would finally be seen in the public at the Consumer Electronics Show. Pretty much the E3 before E3. Backed by a $16 million ad campaign, the hype for this game was huge. Nintendo hoped that this was going to be the knockout punch on Sega and that they could return to being the video game dominant leader. Nintendo's ace in the hole. If Donkey Kong Country did not get Sega and other competitors dazed, another game would come out later, Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island. Nintendo was no doubt ready for its one-two punch. It was clear at this point in time Nintendo was bringing up the big guns who were on a mission to be the king of the video game market. Donkey Kong Country and what people saw was unlike any game before it. Its cool one-of-a-kind graphics and backgrounds really made it stand out. The game would be released on November 21st, 1994, just in time for the holiday season. Donkey Kong Country would end up being a massive success as it would sell 9.3 million copies, becoming the third best-selling game on the Super Nintendo. So, how is the game itself? How is Donkey Kong Country? Well, it's, uh, pretty good. It's a platformy game, much like Mario and Sonic, but has enough difference in variety to be its own thing. The story is that King K. Rool, a crocodile pirate, has stolen DK's banana horde. You don't go between a monkey and his bananas. K. Rool has also sent out his goon of Kremlings all around DK Island, yeah, an original name for an island I know, to prevent Donkey Kong from getting his bananas back. It is now up to Donkey Kong and his little nephew Diddy Kong to go past 16 worlds such as jungles, snow, factories, and caverns, all leading up to the final showdown with King K. Rule himself on his pirate ship. 
The game has a great cast of characters. We of course have Donkey Kong, our cool fearless leader of DK Island. DK can roll forward or jump on bad guys in order to destroy them. He can also do a ground pound and find some cool secrets as well. Donkey Kong's nephew in Diddy Kong is a much smaller ape. He's faster and can jump a little better than DK, but some bad guys are just a little too big for Diddy to handle. That's when you need the big bustle and Donkey Kong to take him out. We have Cranky Kong, DK's grandfather, who's in fact the original Donkey Kong who took on Mario years ago. Cranky Kong no doubt earns his name as he's a cranky old ape that always talks about his younger years than the good old days and that kids just don't understand. Cranky does help you out though as he gives you tips and secrets throughout the game. We also have Funky Kong, a California surfer who can use his plane to fly to other past worlds. We also have Candy Kong, Donkey Kong's love crush, who can also save your game. We also got some helpers of Donkey Kong and his animal buddies that you can find at some levels. Rambi the Rhino can bulldoze any bad guy that gets in your way, along with finding some breakable walls and some cool secrets. Unguard, a swordfish that makes water levels much easier. Squawk, a parrot that carries a lantern in dark caves. And don't try to turn around too much with him because it will flash on your screen, resulting in quite the headache. Luckily, in later releases of Donkey Kong Country, they end up fixing this, probably because it was borderline Caesar-causing. Expresso, an ostrich that can run fast, jump high, and glide for a short time. And Winky the Frog, you could jump higher than anything else in the game. Only some levels have some animal buddies, so when you end up running into one of them, it gets pretty exciting that you get to use them. The gameplay itself is similar to, say, a Mario game, but it's a little more loose feeling, but I mean that in a good way. The game does have its unfair moments, but most of the time when you die, it's on your hands. You can collect bananas in each level, kind of like coins in Mario. Collect a hundred of them and get an extra life. There's also letters in each level that you can collect that spell out the word Kong. Get all four letters by the end of the level and get an extra life. There's also extra life balloons that you can find if you go out of your way to look for them. There's also bonus rooms where you have to do a task. This can lead to other bonus rooms where you can rack up some more lives. Now you might be thinking Donkey Kong Country is pretty lenient on giving you extra lives, but trust me, you're probably going to need them. The game without a doubt has its fair share of difficulty. DKC at times just throws some cheap shots at you, but I don't think it's enough to completely ruin the game. You can also use barrels that DK and Donkey Kong can throw and knock out some bad guys. Heck, if you're really good, you can actually ricochet the barrel off a wall and then ride on the barrel and then go through the level. Not the most practical thing, but hey, it's something cool that you can do. If you take damage once, the Kong you're playing as dies. However, there are DK barrels located all throughout the level. Open one of these bad boys and you'll get Diddy or Donkey Kong back depending on the one you're missing. Once the Kong gets hurt, the other takes its place. Run out of lives and it's back to the last safe point. There are a ton of levels in this game, and each level has something that makes it stand out from the last. One level you might be running into a blizzard where it makes it hard to see. Another might be a minecart level where you ride a minecart and have to do precision jumps and make it to the end. Or another level where you have to keep hitting light switches in order to see. Each level has something different to them that keeps things fresh and new, but never feels too gimmicky to the point where you feel like you're playing a completely different game. The core gameplay is still there of a platformer. Something a later game would struggle with, which I'll get to that later. Another thing DKC does really well is the atmosphere and music. With the fun and catchy swing of jungle hijinks from the panic tension of minecart madness to the smooth underwater sounds of aquatic ambience. No doubt Donkey Kong Country has one of the best and atmospheric soundtracks on the Super Nintendo. Each world is a series of levels on and up to a boss. And this is my biggest problem with Donkey Kong Country. The bosses kinda, well, they suck. All the bosses in here are just bigger versions of a baddie you've already taken on or something that's simply get barrel, use barrel, throw barrel, rinse and repeat. Hell, one of the bosses is just a barrel that just throws enemies at you and that's pretty much it. 
The only fight in this game that's not uninspiring is the final battle with the Crocodile King himself, King K. Rool. This fight's actually pretty great, and I'll admit I was the dumb sap that actually got fooled by the fake credits scene. Like I knew it wasn't the real credits, but I didn't think the fight would keep going afterwards. Another problem I have with this game is that 100%ing this game, or in this case 101%ing the game, has Cranky say good job and that's about it. There's really no incentive to complete this game unless you're a completionist. The game has multiplayer, kind of. It's mainly two players taking turns to beat the level, or one places DK in the air places Diddy. It's not bad, but it doesn't really feel like two players. It seems more like it's an afterthought, if anything. It's there, but the game's not exactly optimized for it. Overall, I think what makes Donkey Kong Country stand out the most is its attention to detail. Something as big as how the graphics look to the little things is how the Kongs animate when you don't do anything for a bit. For example, TK will pound his chest if you stand there for a bit. Rare didn't have to do this, but it's the little details that really shows that they really cared about this game. This game has great personality. Donkey Kong Country ended up being a massive success, and even some say that it was the game that put the Super Nintendo over the top of the vastly selling Sega Genesis. Mission accomplished. Of course, with the success of Donkey Kong Country, there's no question that a sequel would just have to be released. But with a game with this magnitude and doing pre-rendered graphics, it will take forever for the sequel to be released, right? Nope, it was released one year later. In 1995, the video game system war was at its peak. Both Sega and Nintendo were trading blows at each other to see who would control the video game market. Sega was looking into the future as they just released their new CD-based game system, the Sega Saturn. Another newcomer in the video game market was also gaining momentum with Sony and their PlayStation. Nintendo was working on the system of the future of their own in the Nintendo 64, but they were going to need more time. So Nintendo needed something to keep the Nintendo faithful occupied until then. And what better way to do that than have a sequel to your most recent big hit, Donkey Kong Country. The end result was Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. No, not Diddy Kong's Quest, Diddy's Conquest. I thought it was the other way around for years. The story of Donkey Kong Country 2 is that Donkey Kong has been kidnapped by the evil King K. Rool who's now back for revenge. It is now down to Diddy Kong and the new female Kong in the game and Dixie Kong to go to Dangerous Crocodile Island in order to save their friend. That's right, the game is called Donkey Kong Country where you don't even play as Donkey Kong. Interesting, but let's keep going. Diddy is much faster than Dixie and is more mobile and controls better as Dixie Kong can jump higher and use her long hair to float around for a short while. Having two smaller Kongs adds to a big Kong and a small Kong because a lot more balance between the two. You can also have one Kong throw the other one and find some hidden areas. Donkey Kong Country 2 goes for a more pirate theme this time around. I find that as a great narrative in a sort of way as the end of Donkey Kong Country 1 you fight on a pirate ship. So it kind of makes sense as an idea of you're starting where you left off. The game focuses on being less linear and feels a little faster and I think it feels overall a little better. There's also more collectibles in this game such as Krim coins and DK coins and so much more. There's even a lost world if you collect enough Krim coins that leads you to the game's true ending. Much more of a reason to go after 100% completion as in the last game. The Kong Animal Buddies return, some old and new. Favorites such as Rambi the Rhino and Unguard the Swordfish have made their return, but there's also some new ones. Squawks makes his return, but he plays a new role in new and flying levels. Ratley the Rattlesnake can jump high and you can even do a charge jump to jump even higher. And it's Squitter, the spider who can shoot webs and make platforms to stand on. Squitter's by far the most helpful and the most broken of the Animal Buddies. Some fan favorites such as Cranky Kong makes their return, but there's also some new friends. Wrinkly Kong, who runs Kong College, will save your game. The first save is free, but after that it will cost you a few coins. Even Crocodile Island costs money for college, jeez. Swanky Kong, a game show host who can give you extra lives by quizzing you about the game. And Clubba, a huge Kremlin with enough Krim coins will let you go into the Lost World. 
You can also fight him as well, but I would highly not recommend it. This game is much harder than the previous installment. The game really has the idea that you've mastered the first game before you want to go into the second one. This game gives you nail-biter moments, great bonuses, and much more. If you thought the first game was a bit on the easy side, Donkey Kong Country 2 will no doubt test you. One of the main issues I had with the first game was the bosses that were kind of lame, but at 2 there's still a few stinkers but overall they're much better than they were in the first game. Everything that made the first game grey is here and then more. The game feels much sharper, the levels are much more in detail with their animated backgrounds, tons of charm in the cribblings, and they took the pirate theme and hit a home run with it. The graphics that made the first game stand out is also here as well. And the music? Oh, the music's some of the best stuff you'll hear on the Super Nintendo. Donkey Kong Country 2 ended up becoming the 6th best selling game on the Super Nintendo and THE best selling game that was not packed in with the Super Nintendo. Most of the dedicated Donkey Kong Country fanbase will tell you that Donkey Kong Country 2 is the best of the trilogy and honestly I agree with them. There's some people I know that have Donkey Kong Country 2 as their greatest video game of all time and it's no doubt a must have for the Super Nintendo. If you can get past the difficulty spikes it's no doubt one of the best games around. But hey maybe hard difficulty is your thing, I mean Dark Souls is a thing after all. So many must be asking, how on earth are they going to top Donkey Kong Country 2? As if out of nowhere, Donkey Kong Country 3 would be released in just another year, in the year 1996. This was quite the strange move, at this point the N64 would be released and there was a fear that most gamers that enjoyed Donkey Kong 1 and 2 would hop over to the new system. It was a transition period that some people couldn't just get the latest system right away, so they needed something for the holiday season. However, Donkey Kong Country 3 is seen as kind of the mixed bag, kind of the black sheep of the trilogy. In 1996, at the tail end of the Super Nintendo's lifespan, Donkey Kong Country 3 Dixie Kong's Double Trouble would be released. When I say late, I mean super late, like the N64 was out by this time. I guess it was the idea that Donkey Kong Country 3 would be the Super Nintendo's swan song, its final shining moment. After all, it was the end of a trilogy. However, it's not exactly the grand finale people wanted it to be. This was in fact the first Donkey Kong Country game I played back as a kid, and I thought it felt pretty good and was a pretty good game. But the game no doubt definitely has its issues. The story this time is that Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong are being kidnapped by a new bad guy, an evil robot known as Chaos. The world this time is the Northern Crimisphere, a Northern European, Canadian-like setting. No doubt a change of pace from the pirate theme the last game had. And it's now up to Dixie Kong and her new cousin Kitty Kong to save Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong and stop the bad guys once more. Wait, who the hell is Kitty Kong? Now we get to what one of the main issues people have with Donkey Kong Country 3. Kitty Kong is a bigger Kong much like DK, but is it a onesie is seen as a big toddler. Kitty Kong can stomp on the bad guys that are too big for Diddy, and he can roll around and skip on water, but there's really not many levels where you can do this. Like honestly, who wants to play as a big monkey baby? In Donkey Kong Country 2 we got Dixie Kong who was a cool female monkey character, we could use her hair to float around and was pretty much great in any situation. Kitty Kong, yeah, he kinda sucks. I don't think he's bad enough to the point where he ruins the game, but he's no doubt a downgrade from the Diddy and Dixie team we had in the last game. The overworld level layout has also changed. It's more of an open world setting. It really makes the game feel much more huge and immersive rather than just going from level to level. There's also some secrets and cool things that you can find if you look around. You can go to Funky's Boat Shop who is now a mechanic. After you beat a world, he'll give you a new water vehicle that you can use to progress to the later stages. It's pretty cool as you can see a waterfall but you can't go up it until you get the right vehicle for it so it really makes you wonder what's beyond that waterfall. What kind of worlds are there to discover? The way the overworld's done in this is a big plus in my book. This game's difficulty is a little dialed back from the second game. There's still not going to be some stressful moments and levels that will test you but it's a lot more friendlier to first time players than the second game was. Some classic Donkey Kong friends return such as Cranky Kong and Winky Kong but now we also have the Brothers Bear. The Brothers Bear own a shop where you have to collect bear coins in exchange for items that you need to progress throughout the game. 
There are a ton of collectibles, bear coins, DK coins, banana birds, and so much more. I almost want to argue that this is where Rare's knack of collectibles started. Let's talk about the levels. The levels are pretty straightforward at first, but sooner or later they do get pretty gimmicky. Sure, Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2 had its fair share of gimmick levels, but 3 feels like it's a little bit over the top with them. There are some levels that feel like completely different games outright rather than a Donkey Kong Country platformer. At least with Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2, the gimmick actually made sense with the level. There's some gimmicks in these levels that just don't make sense. Like a water level where your controls are flipped for some reason. There's no doubt some swings and misses when it comes to the level design of Donkey Kong Country 3. Some of the backgrounds and levels are just not as animated or as detailed as they are in the first two games. It almost feels like it's something's missing or that the game feels rushed. Maybe that's the problem. It feels like it's Rare's B team working on this, and that maybe that's so because the Rare's A team might be working on the N64 at this time. Plus, the game being rushed would make sense too, as it was at the very tail end of the Super Nintendo's lifespan. One of my favorite things with the Donkey Kong Country games has always been the attention to detail and dedication, and here it feels like it's a little lacking. Of course, at the end of each world, there's a boss. The bosses in this game are no doubt much better than the first two Donkey Kong Country games, but they're no doubt much harder. Each boss fight feels like it has its own gimmick as you have to go underwater or have to control one of the animal buddies to fight them. Some of these boss fights no doubt can get very frustrating, but at the end of the day, I'm glad that there's a little more design and a little more thought put out in these bosses, a lot better than they were in the first two games. One enemy I do want to talk about is an enemy known as Coin. It is a bad guy that uses a coin as a shield. You have to find a metal barrel and then find some way to go past the shield in order to defeat it. This is actually a pretty cool idea as it gets an element of puzzle solving in a Donkey Kong game rather than just only precision platforming. I wish there was more stuff like this in this game. Fans of the Donkey Kong Country series are not too big on the game's soundtrack either. I can agree with that, it's no doubt a step back from the first two games, but there's definitely some bangers in this soundtrack. Great tracks such as the Overworld theme, Frosty Frolics, and Hot Pursuit. Not as many home runs as the first two games, but hey, there's some hidden gems here. We at last get our final showdown with Chaos, however once he's defeated we learn that he's actually being controlled by, you guessed it, King K. Rule, who is now a mad scientist in this game. At this point the real final battle begins as you have one last battle with the Kremlin Commander. Beat him and it's the end of the game. Or is it? Much like Donkey Kong Country 2, 3 also has a lost world. You'll need coins in order to get to each level. Do all of them and it's one more rematch with King K. Rule. This time the fight is much harder. Beat him again and that's Donkey Kong Country 3. There's even a hidden ending if you're able to get all the collectibles in the game too. Overall, I get it. I get why people don't like Donkey Kong Country 3. However, I think it's more of a case that the shoes are just too big to fill. Donkey Kong Country 2 was so good and it was very hard to one-up it. I think gamers expected the same jump from 1 to 2 to 2 to 3. Donkey Kong Country 3 is not a bad game, in fact it's a pretty good game. It's just not as good as its predecessor. If I had to pick between the Super Nintendo Donkey Kong Country series, my favorites would go 2, then 3, then 1. And that's not me saying 1's a bad game, it just feels like that was really their case of them getting their feet wet before going for a full swim. The series even got revived with Donkey Kong Country Returns for the Wii, a great game in its own right. Overall, the fully pre-rendered graphics and great gameplay is what made Donkey Kong Country stand out for most. The entire trilogy is no doubt a must-have for any Super Nintendo library. Thank you for listening. Got any a banana.